We are Science Fiction Remnant, a podcast for sci-fi lovers spanning across books, movies, TV shows, and games. This is Season 1, Episode 18, Movie Ready Player One for September 19th, 2020. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Science Fiction Remnant. Thank you so much for coming back. Your support means a lot to us. We hope that you find this episode as interesting to listen and has been fun for us to make it for you. If you like this show and know someone who might like this podcast, please share it. It would help us greatly in growing this channel. You can also follow us on Twitter at Sci-Fi Remnant and share any comments you have about this podcast. Also, you can talk about it with your friends if you like. And you can go and visit our website, sciencefictionremnant.com. Well, this week's movie is fully packed. Oh, yes. I don't think they could cram any more into this movie. I think that pack doesn't make justice to the <laughs> amount of detail that they actually put into it. Uh, Ready Player One uh, was released in March 29th, uh, 2018. He cost about $155 million to make, and it made $582.9 million. Okay. That's a decent comeback. Uh, yeah. Um, this is uh, another Steven Spielberg movie. Um, of course. I don't think I can tell you which Steven Spielberg movie I do not like. This one over here is based on a book. Um, by the same name, and it is fully packed with 80s references. So, if you're a fan of the 80s, like not I am, the 80s, right? If you're a fan of video games, like I am, yeah, um, like we are, <laughs> <laughs> you are going to love this movie. Um, was this your this was your first time watching this movie, right? Yeah, I mean, until you mentioned the movie, I really didn't know of its existence. I didn't know there was a book about it. Um, yeah, you had and, to read and it. I was just like, where was I? I didn't know this existed. And then I watched it maybe like half a dozen times. That's how much. This is the kind of movie I can tell you. Uh, you will watch it and rewatch it and rewatch it and see new stuff and not get tired of it. And I can tell you, and for um, for all of you listeners who actually read the book, um, you um, might have gotten a lot more references uh, from the book. Um, Ernest Klein is the writer, and I think he did a great job being a an '80s child like I am. Um, he was able to to place the essence of the '80s. Uh, in into this movie, which is you know something that we said in the Gathaka uh, about that that future director, past how you mix blame. the past and the future into one fluid story. Yes, and, and I think he he actually accomplished this um, in 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 his book. And I think in part when they were producing this movie, uh, it was one of the worries that they, the producers, uh, um, even the director had when they are trying to produce this movie is capturing uh, that essence, capturing that essence. And I, I think 
they did one of the greatest things that they could do when when they have this worry, when they want to make sure and they stay true to the source material, is that they brought the author into the production yeah. you know, arena. And I think that's key to reaching out that point of detail where you've noticed many movies or series that are made from books or uh, graphic novels, if they do not make that part of having the writer being participant of the process where the movie is being filmed, usually it diverges uh, to a point that you might say, okay, kind of way too many things changed. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But it feels, even though I haven't written the book, you have given me your feedback that that's not the case. They did a great job sticking to the book. They did such a great job. And, and I think you would agree with this when I say, like, um, you can watch this movie the first time. It is impossible. And, and, and hear me out when I say this. It is impossible to notice every single reference there is in this movie the very first time you watch it. Mm-hmm. It's like a hive of uh, Easter eggs. <laughs> oh, yes. So every time you watch it, even up to this day, <laughs> I find, um, you know, little tidbits. Like, for example, when I watched it the first time with you, the scene when Percival was uh, visiting the archive and he's talking to the curator and he discovers that one clue uh, that, that gives them an idea of where to find the first the, the key. Um, a, a, a soundtrack was playing in the background. Yeah, and we had a discussion as to what you it never was. noticed, and I thought it was something else, and I mentioned it, and then you were like, "No, it's not that," and then you realized what it was because and I pointed out. It, it was the moment of like you know eureka when you had that that light bulb turned on. And it was like, oh my God, this is Boltron. Yeah. And dun, I had dun, to dun. actually, <laughs> dun, dun, dun. I had to actually go and find that clip and play it for you. And we both were like, whoa. <laughs> it, it, there's no end to it. Like, I noticed on the third time that I was watching on the, on the part, and we're going to have to, like, kind of set up the narrative of the movie because we're jumping back and forth. Yes, on it. yes. <laughs> but, yes. like, for example, like, I noticed, you, you remember where, where the creator of the game, is giving his speech of the of the quest. Mm-hmm. I just noticed on my third time watching the movie, he has a Simon Says pin on his jacket. <laughs> like yeah. it's there's no end. It's like there's so many little details that that they would just fill up the room. It looks like a hoarding of eighties details. Oh yes. But at the same time, it's not like it gives you that feel when you see hoarding all over the place. It's like yeah. you just want to keep on finding more. <laughs> exactly. It creates it's, a connection in every little detail, right? He Ernest grabbed so much in his book that if you if you know the eighties, you know that Steven Spielberg uh, Steven Spielberg played a huge part of the eighties. Yeah. You know, movies like Gizmo, you know, like the you know, Gremlins, right? So it is amazing to see that not only did they grab um, Steven Spielberg for this movie, right? Uh, which was actually Ernest Klein's favorite, you know, favorite person in the world. Thing. He's like working with him. He's, you know, it's a dream come true. He's for geeking him, out here. But if you watch this movie, you'll notice the sounds are very familiar. And and I was wondering, you know, okay, why do you know, every music, a piece of music, and um, 
here's a little tidbit, right? John Williams was going to be uh, a collaborator for the scores of, you know, of the uh, movie. And he had a conflict in another movie that he was doing with, with Spielberg where he had to decline. And another, I think, um, Alan Silvestri took over. But if you, if you find familiar the, the, you know, the music and, and the score of the movie, it, it, we have actually um, uh, Sumekis, uh, which direct, um, I think it was a director for um, Back to the Future. Ooh. So you, you see, like... There's no end to it. Exactly. And, and they even honored him in, in this movie. I mean, think about it. Back to the Future is another icon mm-hmm. of the 80s. And, and they actually um, pay homage to him in an item in the movie called the Semechis Cube. Yep. Which is a, a, what do you call that thing? It's, 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 a, it's uh, one of those 80s, uh, the, the, the square puzzles where you have to put in... Uh, like all the colors in each side. Rubik's <sighs> Cube? Rubik's like Cube. Yeah. There you go. So, yep, even at that, everything, items. And, and let's go back to the, to, the, to the plot, right? So, uh, Well, I have something to, do, to say that is going to set up the whole thing because I'm telling you, it goes to such a deep level, there's no end to it. The movie starts with a guy, and he's an orphan. Mm-hmm. And he has a quest, something to do that is going to set him apart from the world. Now... I just came to the realization after thinking of the setup of the whole movie right now. Uh, we're going to start talking about it. Mm-hmm. And think about it. What is the situation in most heroes? Because he is kind of becoming that throughout mm-hmm. the movie. Yes. They yes. are usually orphan kids or girls mm-hmm. that they just stand up for themselves in the world. Mm-hmm. And become, they, they set themselves apart from the whole crowd. Yeah. So even in there, I was like, holy crap. Like, this guy just go deeper and deeper into character intricacies to build up the movie. Because at the end, even though he's not Superman or anything, but he has some kind of characteristics and elements of superheroes too. Yeah. So, so this boy, uh, they, they, he, he was born in, what, like 2060-something? Uh, this is set on the future in Detroit. Mm-hmm. And he's an orphan. He lives with his aunt and and this asshole guy that is some kind of cousin or something. <laughs> I, I, he's uh, the the husband of the aunt. Oh my god! Because uh, his his parents died, so he lives in the stacks. This guy doesn't behave like the the partner of that <laughs> woman. He looks more like a grown up old guy that lives in the basement with the aunt. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, and, and if you know if you don't if you haven't seen the movie The Stacks, basically what it is. It's a um, imagine homes. having mobile homes or or even you know those those uh, uh, truckers containers. containers where they actually are stacked one on top of each other and that's why they call them the stack and every stack is a home mm-hmm. where you know someone lives in and uh, if you notice throughout you know that scene uh, everybody's on what they call the oasis mm-hmm. which is a the platform where everybody connects virtually. And and this is an inter- interconnected um, network 
of you know everybody let me put it this way everybody in the world is lives in this world yeah um so it, it this uh, in this movie this becomes kind of like the reality for everybody you know uh, the escape of actual reality co- co- yeah exactly co- commerce takes place in it everything takes place in it so it, it's it's kind of like <clears throat> cool and scary at the same time yeah <laughs> to 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 uh, actually realize a future it's kind of this if you think about it it's kind of the many things that create that fear and social stigma about technology growth you mm-hmm. know it's that technology is gonna uh, grow to a point that it's gonna overtake on our actual reality and that could be the point right now really it's not that advanced that could really compete with reality but once it gets to that point, it could be the actual thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so um, basically what happens is um, this world was created by, um, I think his name was uh, Holiday. Holiday, yeah. Yeah. And Holiday. <laughs> Holiday. <laughs> Together with his, um, I guess, best friend. Uh, Ogden uh, Morrow. Ogden Morrow, yeah. Um, they created the Oasis. So, uh, in the movie, we are a, at the end of um, Holiday's life. So, the, his death was announced. And this is a very beloved um, person in the world. Um, mm-hmm. Partly because he created the Oasis. We provided it... Uh, a way out for everybody to, you know, basically live out their fantasies. So not only that, but um, apparently this was a very beloved person in in, in a personal level. So um, everybody obviously was sad, you know, hearing his passing. Mm -hmm. But everybody was also taken um, as a shock because uh, there was a video that was posted after his death, created by him, filled with 80s um, Easter eggs. Like, for example, the... the it's full of Star Trek all the, over, like well, science. Yeah, is. Everything. Yeah, like, like he's... Uh, um, he, he, he's laying down in a torpedo where um, if you watch Star Trek, uh, is, this Spock, is where Spock died. You know, he was buried, basically. Um, well, but he, he announces that there's a new Easter egg hunt, you know, where the winner will take control of the Oasis, basically become the new owner mm-hmm. and then take control and can decide what to do with the Oasis, uh, including deleting it yeah. for, for completely. So uh, this contest... Uh, requires uh, you to find three keys, uh, and then at the end of finding those three keys, then you can you get the, the whole of the egg, and that's what announces that you have won. So after this was announced, <clears throat> you have companies that obviously wanted to become um, the owner of the Oasis. Yeah, to exploit it for for commercial purposes. And here's the thing that that we haven't mentioned yet. The, the main characteristic of Holiday was that his mission was to stay truth to the spirit of the gamer. Mm-hmm. So for him, 
And these are things that they disclose throughout the movie because the whole hunt is about knowing him in order to know the, the tricks or where to find the Easter eggs or the keys. Um, and basically, he always said it all along the, the, whole, the whole movie. He didn't like rules. Yes. Uh, he, he didn't want to limit the possibilities. So he didn't like that kind of thing where most of, of our gamer communities can agree with us. Like those kind of games where you pay to win. So if you don't pay for your stuff, you're always at a disadvantage. He didn't like that. Exactly. And that's something that I find amazing because it creates an equal opportunity just like in the real world for anybody that decides to join in. Yep. on that and you kind of see that on the movie because you see people that have all sorts of different characters but when it comes to fighting uh on the game everybody has an equal chance mm-hmm. it's just how smart you has been you have been about building up your character but it's not like oh i pay a bunch of money so i actually can get myself pretty cool stuff so i can be an advantage that doesn't exist uh and basically you- these corporations want to monetize this crap so mm-hmm. and they say it's straightforward oh so Whoever pays more, they can have tiers of uh, oh, yeah. memberships. <laughs> That's the plan that they had. When they become um, the owners, and, and keyword, they're saying when they mm-hmm. become the owners, they will make this tier plan where, you know, the more you pay, the more options you get. And by the way, the name of this company in the movie is IOI. Well, it and- looks like 101. <laughs> <laughs> So that and is actually shows in in in, um, in the book as well, and and they are actually makers of you know uh, you know the hack that sued and stuff like that. So they 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 have a big stake in in this movie. I mean in the in the in the Oasis. So it it benefits them to become the owners of this because they can. You know, they have right now a limit on how much money they can make off the uh, Oasis. But becoming the owner, they can take control of advertising opportunities for the game. Because right now, the advertising opportunities they have is for the stuff they sell in the game. They, they sell in-game um, and out-game, the, you know, items for, for the game. So, <clears throat> this, it, this becomes the villain's. Of the of the movie, yeah, big corp. <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah, and, and basically, so after Holiday dies, uh, everybody, it, it's like it goes broadcast worldwide everywhere. Kids in school, people in the corporations of all kinds of business, they're watching this. Everybody, they're just watching him broadcasting about the new egg hunt, and whoever gets the three keys, they get the whole oasis. Mm-hmm. And that's when the movie really starts. But the funny thing is that before it gets there, you already have a full-fledged uh, idea of how this virtual world happen- it works. Mm-hmm. So the movie, I think that the movie is kind of fantastic on that part. It's like, it doesn't have to explain you. Like when you watch an anime and you have like a little guy explaining you what is this and that. Nothing of that. You yeah. just got to watch how it goes through when you understand how the virtual reality works. Because... The main characters go narrating it, and one thing I one thing I actually loved about it, it's that even though it doesn't do it directly, you kind of experience the whole movie from the narrative and the eyes of the main character, which is uh, Wade Watts. And that's actually um, how you call that in games. Uh, uh, 
um, first person? No. Um, yeah. First person? So, yeah, first person. Well, yeah, because when you're playing a first person, it's just like you can see your arms and your legs. You, you don't see the character. But and basically, kind of, if you notice, if yeah. you notice, he kind of goes narrating from the beginning of the movie. Yeah. yeah. So, so, he, but he's narrating about his own story. So it's kind of made at the same time, right? Yeah. So, segueing into you know the next part, um, if you notice, um, the first um, gateway. Uh, apparently, there's three gateways that would open. And these gateways are entrance to <clears throat> each of the three keys. Mm-hmm. So in the movie, you notice that the first gateway to the race was open. Some, someone has already discovered. For those of you who have read the book, realize that the first gateway was actually not open at the beginning and Percival discovered it. Oh. So I don't know if you knew that. No, not at all. <laughs> they saw it like it was a real thing and everybody just went and run there. Exactly. So, in order to find anything on this game, you know, to find the gateways, to actually um, discover the clues that will lead you to winning um, the trials that leads you to the key or finding the keys, uh, you have to know the entire life of Holiday. Yeah. And um, <clears throat> they have, I guess, this made way for scholars. People that have actually devoted the entire life to <laughs> Holiday's life. Mm-hmm. Uh, this, you know, what was his favorite soda? What was his favorite game? You know, and one of the cool things that I found, and, and I, I don't know if you agree with this or not, but his uh, Holiday's persona in game is called um, Anorak. Yeah, Anorak. And he's kind of... A great wizard, a warlock. Kind of like Lord of the Rings... Um, Gandalf. Gandalf. Yeah. He was an old... Uh, basically, he's, he's if he decided to play in Oasis, he had unlimited power. Mm-hmm. He was the old... He's of- the wizard. Yeah, <laughs> in the <this> story. <laughs> you know that character. <laughs> so, yeah. That was kind of like an homage to uh, Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Um, and you know the wizard in every story. He's like the troublemaker and the trouble solver. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, uh, Wade um, becomes Percival in game. And although a lot of people, they, they guild up or, you know, yes. whichever, however you want to call it. When you get a group of clan. people, they cland up. Because um, you have to. This is kind of like, you know, a big thing. And you need a lot of people to kind of put your head together. And kind of like when you're going to go and, and, and game and you're going to fight a big boss. Yeah. You can't really kill the boss yourself. You need to, you need a team of people. But what we find is Percival, um, he doesn't like climbing up. He doesn't like gilding up. He mm-hmm. wants to do everything by himself. He has a couple of friends, and he's not climbed up with them. Yeah, he's, he, he just hangs out with them sometimes, do something sometimes, like a, party up sometimes. So yeah, that's it. Pa- party up, you know, divide the, the, the loot, and and then you know everybody goes on their own thing. Mm-hmm. Um, his best friend is H, uh, in game, and there's Sho and Daito, and that's basically it. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so in this world you have um artemis and artemis is your typical um 
legendary Le- super player. Yeah, kind of like the equivalent to a Twitcher. Mm-hmm. Uh, she, basically, she twitches her games. And, uh, in in the book, you get a, a bigger sense of this than if you actually watch the movie. But she's a pers- an online personality, and he, he she has showed a lot of people how to play the game in, in like uh, tutorials, online tutorials, and she also streams her games. Yeah, she's a famous streamer. So actually, think- that's how they refer to her the first time that they spot her in the first race. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, are you looking at the at the bike? And they're like, oh yeah, I've been watching to her streamer. It's her to yep. to her streams. It's her. So you're a bike girl. Yeah, Percival Wade has this crush um, on Artemis. Basically, the same kind of crush that you would have. What they if, call it, what they call it, let's call it what they call it, a cyber crush. A cyber crush. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it's kind of like the same thing you notice when you see your 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 favorite personality. Mm-hmm. In, in, you know, it could be in-game, it could be in, in personal life. You know, yeah. if you have a personal um, uh, YouTuber or, or, or your favorite YouTuber, your favorite uh, Twitcher, and you see them either in-game or or. or in real life, you're gonna have kind of like the same reaction. Yeah, you know that. You know, it's like it's like meeting a celebrity you follow. Exactly. Really. Exactly. So, um, they they meet her in in towards the beginning. We get the sense the Percival, in its own right, is a scholar. Oh yeah. And 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 in holidays entire life he he he, he knows. knows everything he knows a lot i mean think about it they kind of depict this robert when uh he's looking for clues for the same for the first key that he's looking for mm-hmm. he goes to the journals of holiday which is like a big theater with a bunch of screens and each screen you see a separate part of his life yeah and that's that's another thing we see that they call that the, the, the journey it? something the, yeah how did they journey or something and the curator lives there and this was meant for everybody to research this life because apparently um holiday recorded or even he collected everything about his life his favorite movies everything is there mm-hmm. and at the beginning and we can see this in the book as well this was filled with people in and out, researching every little aspect of this. No, life. no, no! It was desolate. Oh, no, in no, the no! Book? In the book and in the uh, uh, well, in the movie, in they, the movie they, in the beginning, they, he arrives and there's nobody. But he, hear me out. They lead, They actually say this, where they said, um, "In in the beginning, this place was full, and wow. now it's they desolate." Gave up. So people kind of yeah, they kind of gave up. They kind of thought. Uh, okay, we discover everything there is to know about him, so we don't really need uh, about Holiday, so we don't really need to investigate any further. So you just felt like there was no more intel to be gotten from exactly. That place. But but um, Wade uh, or Percival um, it was always there to the point that the curator. <laughs> it's kind of I kind of laugh. He knows him. Like, he knows him. He knows him. It's like oh joy, how are you gonna waste my time today? <laughs> He's always there. Yeah. He's always there. So because of that passion, you know, about everything, every topic about, you know, his life, he, in my opinion, became the biggest scholar in the movie. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, that, that's kind of funny because when he arrives to the place where the holiday's life is documented, mm-hmm. uh, I didn't know that that you just told me. And that in the book, it seems that everybody used to go there. Mm-hmm. 
But in the movie, when he gets there, it's just desolated. It's like you yes. see the tumbleweeds moving around. It's the only person in the whole entire place. It's like you go to a movie cinema, and you're the only person that's going to go and watch a movie. Yeah, yeah. And then the guy that is walking you through to watch the movie. That's it. So it's kind of weird as hell. And then uh, he basically finds a clue when he's practically walking away. Thinking that well, nothing is there. Here's the thing. There, there's a detail there, but you just go ahead and throw it there. <laughs> We're gonna discuss about this because uh, I, I don't know if, what your opinion is in this. They are trying to find out detail for the next key, right? For the first one, right? For, for, yeah, for the well, yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, for the first key, for the, for winning the race. So they're going through a conversation that. You know, um, Holiday was having with uh, Og about not you, privatizing the game. Exactly. So, and in this conversation, <clears throat> you know, um, Percival um, is listening to this entire conversation, and he just kind of give gives up. It's like you know, there's really nothing, nothing here, and he walks away. And again, this is actually the part that we're talking about where there was uh, the theme song from Voltron yeah. shows up. So here's what I, what my thought is, and you let me know that when he walked away, typically the theme song for Voltron is the second time they go. Eh? Just so you remember, the theme song for Voltron comes the second time he goes with Artemis. Oh, okay. So, okay. but in this time, oh yeah, you're right, you're right. In you're this right. time, while we're streaking, you can continue now. So, um, when he finishes, you can tell in his face he's done. And he says it, I'm done. He's walking away. So, you would think, okay, he's walking away. Everything will shut off. You know, just like when you're on the internet and you finish something, you close the tab on Chrome Mm -hmm. and it's done. Um, I'm I'm trying to make that as as an analogy for what's going on. Because basically, he's online and he's visiting this site where he's looking at a page of the holiday's life. So, but what happens is, as he walks away, that one scene keeps playing and playing. And I always thought the curator actually was helping him by letting it play. And he shows that. If you actually look at the behavior, he even looks back to him as he walks away. Mm-hmm. And, and he's an SCP. So, so the curator should just go ahead and shut it down and go back to his post. Exactly. But he didn't. He didn't. Playing? He's just looking away like, wait, wait, wait. Come on. Are you listening to this? Come on. Of course, he's not saying this. No, but, but you just, can, I you mean, can... honestly, it's like the, your web browser, you turn it to close, <laughs> and your web browser doesn't close close keeps playing what you were playing trying to look for some information and then your web browser is looking at you as you walk away from the computer like, and, listen and, listen <laughs> yeah it's like, like, dude dude this is a clue come on man <laughs> so suddenly he gets it and what was playing was where he's saying you know he's, he's talking about how he would like things to go back the way they were and that's part of the conversation. And what he said was, you know, you know, Ted and Bill did how, it. Put that pedal to the metal. Put it to the pedal to the metal. Just go back. Just go back. <laughs> Wouldn't it be fun it if we so just go 
freaking literal, man. I was like, really, man? He's giving it away. Wouldn't it be fun if we can go backwards? <laughs> and he's like, hold up a second. And, and I find this kind of funny because he's telling it like, like, okay, he's about to close it. You know, he's about to shut it down. Don't shut it down. But it's obvious he's not shutting it down because he should have been shutting it down for a long time ago. Mm-hmm. So it's like, hold on a second. He turn, returns and he's stuck in that part where it's like, you know, wouldn't it be fun if we can go backwards? And that's when he got the idea. He went back to the race and instead of uh, racing forward, he put his car in reverse. And... It's kind of funny because when Artemis saw him for the first time, before they even started, you know, she's making fun of him, but she sees that he's concentrated and she realizes. She asked him, you said that you figured something out. You figured something out, didn't you? And then she asked him, but he doesn't answer. And nope. the race starts and she just had to run. So I'm sure she didn't complete the race because when, he's, when she saw him go backwards, you could tell she was like looking back. Yeah. He was. And this is how he got the first key. You know, he, he went back and... And literally, it's a shortcut all throughout the whole track that people are racing. He's looking at them, but he's running from below. <laughs> so he doesn't have any kind of obstacles. He just have to go back, reversing, mm-hmm. and bumps up at the end of the race. And he literally bypasses even... That part that nobody can get past, which is the giant King Kong that breaks the track and eats and smash anything that comes in. And, and this is another thing to what I was going to uh, talk about. The, the Easter eggs in this movie, they're like playing Easter eggs. And of course, we're talking about one, two second view for some. And some Easter eggs, you have to really, really pay attention. Like, for example, the first time in that race that we see King Kong, the original score, the theme song for the 1933 film composed by Max Steiner, is played. But you have to kind of, like, raise the volume. Because, I mean, there's a lot of noises from the cars running, from the crashes, from all this stuff. Um, it's what I was telling you. I'm looking at that race, and I just commented to you, like, I love racing games, but honestly, it's like I wouldn't be able to really play that kind of racing game, nonetheless, in a virtual reality setting. It's so chaotic Yes, that I will be dead within maybe a quarter mile getting off the ring. Now, in, in one way, I understand, okay, it might look really chaotic because we're looking at it from a point of view of an observer to that it's kind of like when you when you when you die in the game and and you can't respawn until you know that session is over mm-hmm. and then you're just watching your team from away and it becomes a little chaotic you can see how everything's going on around you yeah um but if if you're in a first person perspective and it becomes a little different um also uh, I like to think that if BR gets to the point where we can see here, where it is, like you talked about, we talked about this before, what is, it's not, it's not proactive, it's reactive. Yeah. Then you could, in essence, develop a, um, how can I call this? You can develop a technique. Because many gamers, when you game, you develop a technique in a specific kind of game. 
you know, shoot em ups or whichever. And, and that technique helps you go from game to game. And that's how you can become really good at certain things and how some of those big online uh, gamers uh, become who they are because yeah. of developing techniques. So I like to think that if we get to that point, um, you can, just like you develop a techniques with your uh, eye-hand coordination, you can develop a technique uh, virtually on, on your brain. I would say so, but and it's something that I commented to you earlier today. Uh, but basically, virtual reality wouldn't necessarily make us uh, sedentary life beings because if it is like it's on this this kind of setting, you're gonna be standing up, you're gonna be running, mm -hmm. uh, so you're gonna be very physically active, actually. Well, I I think Ernest plays a better future. Um, when it comes to virtual reality for the world than other franchises. Like, for example, if you are a fan of uh, Soar Art Online, uh, you can tell that they are taking a different approach to virtual reality where you... You literally you, lay down on a bed. Yeah, you had to connect your brain and you had to lay down on a bed, obviously, because your brain is going to be kind of disconnected from your body mm -hmm. to so the brain can actually... Um, control that your virtual, virtual avatar yeah. instead of your body. So you have to lay down. But and but if you think about it in this setting, it puts it in a way you're going to be freaking ripped mm -hmm. playing this on excess because you're going to be on a treadmill that goes in multi-direction, running, jumping, sprinting. Yeah, and not only that, walking but the, all the time. If you have the, the haptic suit, how they call it, um, in addition to the bi-directional treadmill, um, the tracksuit simulates, you know, everything online. So if you're picking something heavy, you got to make the strength to pick that up. Exactly. So it's really interesting. And I like how he sees, to me, this is kind of like the, uh, the better version um, of the future when it comes to virtual reality. Mm -hmm. So... I, I, and actually, we, we've been doing some vague research about technologies, and we've seen that there's many, many things that are being developed to walk towards that path. I do think we are more than 10 years away from that still. Yeah. But you have Tesla, which already did the Tesla suit, which I think is something friggin' amazing. Well, not, and, and for, the, for the listeners, it's not, they're not re related to Elon Musk. Um, the Tesla suit is a company uh, that created what you might want to call the hacked suit, where you can actually feel wind. You can yeah. feel heat. Heat. You can feel like Touch. if if you're playing a game when they're shooting, you can feel the impact of the single bullet and not just like the whole stomach. You can feel wind on your skin. You can you can feel something that you're touching literally just by passing your fingers through mm -hmm. anything. I also saw that there's something else. They are like haptic gloves. Mm -hmm. So far, the advanced one that they have is connected wire. But basically, it goes to such detail that you will feel the tact on your fingertips just by touching or rubbing something. And it will make that opposition where you're trying to grab something, it will stop your fingers from continuing to close in. So it will give you the real feel that you're grabbing a stone, a gun, a pencil, a sword, yeah. anything. Uh, and I think that's amazing. So I think that we're going very, very forward towards what this movie depicts. 
I just think that we're far away. There's yes. no virtual reality games that get nearby it. We're starting to just develop the actual equipment for it, but we don't even have what should be less difficult to create, which just doesn't take more than just designing a lot of, uh, would you say, virtual infrastructure, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which is to create the virtual world. I mean, if you think about it, you could really create this without thinking about VR and just making a, a first-person experience yeah. uh, in, full, in, in a full virtual world, like a giant MMO. But nothing like that exists. Mm-hmm. And that's what I, I was mentioning earlier today. There's a company called, I think, Osansa. They're mm-hmm. trying to recreate Oasis. You can literally go to YouTube and find Sansa recreating Oasis. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then again, they tell it. They tell it themselves. They're working with Oculus Rift technology, mm-hmm. and they say yeah, we are more than ten years away from really achieving Oasis. Oasis. Uh, look at, for example, the bi-directional uh, treadmill. I showed you a video of this company. I can't. Um, he's California. I can't remember the name of the company. It's a very small company, and I think that's the closest thing we have to what we see in the in the movie. Yeah. It's, it's a treadmill. It's a just like it says, bi-directional. So you can actually run in every direction. The problem they're having at this point right now is the interaction between the human and the machine. So, and that's what we were talking about earlier, how we thought that if they can have the machine not predict, but react, react, because uh, right now there's a lag. When you start running, there's a, a small lag which actually plays a big part when you're when not making the virtual reality experience as real as it should be, mm-hmm. as it could be. Now, the the person who was testing it in this video on YouTube that we watched, um, he seemed very impressed. I yeah. mean, we are almost there. Yeah. But that's a big that's a big step. That's a big jump. You know, and I guess we were talking about this. And part of the solution might be to integrate, you know, um, Elon Musk um, Neuralink yeah. to connect to this machine. That could be, uh, but then again, it doesn't bring us to that future that we're talking where you can just put a health headset on and not have major surgery. Yeah, that's true. And there's something else. One more observation to that. Uh, uh, what do you call it? Uh, uh, the treadmill mm-hmm. that goes in different directions. Bidirectional. Yeah. Bidirectional treadmill. Here's one thing that I noticed while watching the movie. When he's running at the beginning of the movie, he literally just stops out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. And that's it. And the, and the treadmill just stops. Now, that doesn't really replicate reality. Because if I'm running in real life and I just stop running, I'm going to fall on my face. Exactly. And that's so, the problem they were having. So Exactly. So And it's because they're trying to predict instead of having the surface react to the to the directional force that our feet creates. Yeah. Uh, and I think that that will be the solution to that puzzle uh, because it will create a reality. I understand that the character is hooked up to a belt mm-hmm. not to fall off. Exactly. But if you think about it, it will create that inertia that if you're running, you cannot just stop running on zero and you can set up. Exactly. And I agree with you. And I think that's actually what, when we watch this video of this company, this is exactly where they're stuck. And this is an older video. And I haven't heard much from the company. So I like to think that they are still working. I mean, they might have a, a better prototype, obviously, yeah, because uh, they're still working on this 
dilemma they're having. But I think that's where they're stuck. I mean, I think they're there if they can go past that particular problem. So, yeah, this this movie is is filled filled with with references i another thing that we're talking about is and that race the beginning race that they were having where you see the batmobile falling over if you're again if you're really careful you might have to raise the volume because of course you know the, the sounds of the racing cars and the crashes and all this stuff gets in the way yeah. but it's kind of funny you can actually hear the original theme song from batman the na 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 I'm telling you it's like you can spend dozens of times watching it and there's no end to the details that you just find over and over and over on it like Perfect example of, of a Easter egg that is visible, but you have to pay attention. Did you know Percival's belt was... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> had the logo of the Thundercats. The Thundercats. But the belt is in the style of Han Solo from Star Wars. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't, I'm not sure what's a reference on, but his jacket also has a golden, like... Uh, knight sword, which probably is the the symbol for Percival the Knight that found the Holy Grail. I don't know if you notice, he has like this little jean jacket. Mm-hmm. There's mm-hmm. a giant golden sword encrusted in the back of his jacket as a design. I'm gonna have to watch the movie again. Again, this is like you I'm know, you. every time you watch it, there's something completely different. There's no end. I mean, his friend uh, H, he's fighting on the Doom Planet at the beginning. Mm-hmm. What is he holding on his hand? He's holding a Halo Wars uh, rifle, which actually comes from uh, what's the movie of the giant mosquitoes? Uh, Star Battle Starship, something like that. Oh, um, the Starship Troopers. The Starship Troopers yeah. that was inspired in Starship Troopers. Artem, uh, Artem, that- Artemis' favorite rifle is the uh, M41A. It's a pulse rifle from the from the movie Aliens. <laughs> <laughs> that yeah. is true. That is true. I mean, I mean, there's no end to it. Uh, the 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 moron guy that is the husband of the aunt, he's using a character for from Starcraft. Yes, that was kind of cool. And and he's holding and he's holding a retro lancer, which is one of the main assault rifles in Gears of War. Mm, yeah, <laughs> it's just a pure mix. So it's fun to watch because you just find and find things it's like you're watching an interactive puzzle if you like finding easter eggs this is the movie oh i mean God. like for example one of the scenes is like if you ever seen uh big trouble little china that racing scene that we're talking about the that truck that was blocking the, the road mm-hmm. that's from that movie wow <laughs> so it's just like and then you watch it and that's what happens to me too every time you watch it, it it's almost impossible you have to kind of peel the layers just like an onion because since there's so much, your eye can only catch one thing. So once you catch that one thing and you rewatch the movie, you already know that. You thing. have a register. Already. So now you can, you have, you're free to, to look at the other stuff within the movie. And that's how you can appeal the onion in this movie. Mm-hmm. So, I, I mean, yeah, this, this movie. It, not only the movie itself, but the book itself. If 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 you read the book, you might even like it better um, to read the book and then watch the movie uh, because although it's slightly different, mm-hmm. you know, like um, 
uh, I was telling you for for example how um, was it that no his show in the in in the book he actually died. Um, Sorrento had them killed from IOI, um, which is the the boss of this company that is trying to get a hold of the Oasis. But in the movie, he's he's still part of the of the of the group. Mm-hmm. And, and here are some things that always left me wondering about the movie. I don't understand how. These IOY company, they're not police. But yet, they have a full military force under their control. It's kind of like, they, it's one of those big companies that have taken hold of many things. And if you watch the movie, their pretext for doing that is, they're actually their collection agency. So, when in, te- in theory, if you owe the money, to the company and you haven't repaid they can send the squat to pick you up and take you to um i forgot how they call it this retention um uh, the, the loyalty center the loyalty center and they basically make you work to the bone till you die there exactly so you 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 start working for the company to kind of repay but as as it stands um they actually feed you they, they actually has fees that basically you're never going to pay it back you're working for the fees and not paying what you originally owed mm-hmm. and that's how we find out how and why artemis is so uh bent over uh, i mean bent out of shape into finishing this easter egg because her father her, died her there. father died in the loyalty center uh but but and that's my point if you look at it when you look at their at their security force they look better equipment and armed than the actual police when it shows up. Exactly. And it, because they're a major corporation and mm-hmm. they have the money to spend. So so that kind of gives them already more of a billion touch to. Uh, they look unfairly equipped to really carry on their own schemes. Yes. Uh, and that's kind of a stuff because if you look at it, the police is kind of absentee throughout the whole movie. They just show up at the end. <laughs> yeah. And I was like... What the heck? Where is the police all this time? These guys are like just taking a shit in law. <laughs> <laughs> so so it was kind of messed up on that part. But what gets more tricky throughout the development of the movie is that as it advanced and they start discovering the three of the keys and the key and how to actually get tips on how to find it, mm-hmm. they just get nastier and nastier and nastier. Yeah. Not to lose the fight. So it's like they start doing more unlawful, if things are illegal and like real crime. Straight up. Uh, I mean, it's messed up. They even blow up the house where Wade used to live and kill everybody that lived in, in that stack. Yeah. Just to get him off the race. So so it's kind of screwed up and and it literally makes you rude to like screw you bad guys. Because you see them just getting away with things that they should not more and more and more throughout the movie. Yeah, and, and I think as you know, they as as a major corporation, I'm sure they have lobbied to create, you know, laws. They have placed them in that specific position. Uh, that they all, can leverage themselves. Yeah, all in the name of profit. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I mean, there's there's so so many concepts 
that are merely related to virtual reality, but it gives you a good idea of how things could be in the future. Because, for example, on the second key, they are looking for something that the creator hated the most. So they find out that it's, uh, what's the name of the book in the movie? Uh, it's a horror movie. Uh, Shining House. Oh, the, the, shining, shining. the Shining. The Shining. The yeah. Shining. I mean, how badass is that you can go and watch a movie and you're not watching the movie, you're in the movie. Yeah. Experiencing okay. the crap out of it. I, I would love that, except I would not be watching horror, obviously. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> that would be messed up. It's like, are you a masochist or something? <laughs> but, but, I mean, it's awesome. Like, when I watched that the first time, I was like, holy crap. That would be amazing to watch a movie like this. Yeah, like, I would yeah. be on Lord of the Rings all the freaking time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'd be like, Aragorn, what's up? Let's drink beer and go kill some arts. <laughs> yeah, that would be awesome. Um, I don't know if you knew, but uh, IOI, in the book, you realize is, is called Innovative Online Industries. It was actually a nod from holidays, uh, Pong days. So if you notice, you have the two bars at the end. And the little ball in the center that goes, boom, boom. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. I find that really, really cool. You know, it I, is. I used to play that game. <laughs> Everybody has played that game. I mean, well, I'm not sure if somebody of the new era would know unless they are interested in, in pop culture and other things. But everybody that likes video games usually have seen this sometime and experienced it. And it's, I mean, for. As simple as the game is, it's just like Tetris. It doesn't get all. Yeah. It's fun. It's it gets you thinking. It keeps you engaged. Yeah. I, th I think I actually played it in a Taddy uh, 2600. Oh, the no, little man. wheel. You did the real thing. <laughs> I played I play on a computer in an emulator. Uh, yeah. And I, <laughs> I think you can still find that in an emulator. Oh, yeah. And you can find it probably in a web browser now. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, the movie just gets better and better because... Uh, so it happens that basically IOI just starts going really out of their way to put a stop to the people that are getting the X, which is Percival, Artemis, H, and his team. Yeah, uh, show Daito, H, um, but they're Artemis. Not, but they're not even being directly targeted. Mm -hmm. Who they're really after is Percival. The yeah. other ones kind of get sucked into the fight because they are his friends. And they are mostly always with him. Well, he, he became, uh, he actually came to be in their eyesight. Because if you look at the board, uh, he's number one. Yeah. And he was the first one to the key. And he told H, H found out. So he, f he finished second. And then he told Sho and Daito. And they told Artemis. And no, now no. Here's the thing. Artemis is so smart. She figured that out on her own. Because remember... At the beginning, Artemis is not part of the crew. Oh, yeah. Artemis actually was, she the, was second the second one. one. Yes. Yeah. yeah. She she realized on her own because she saw him first, stopping in the race. Yeah. But then the other ones, but the, they are the only ones that got the key, really. Yeah. Yeah. So much that that's how they call him. At the end of the final fight, he called himself first to the key. First to the key. Yeah. So, so he has that title because he was the first one to start figuring them out, and then... Uh, it gets funny because the second one, it's Artemis the one that gets the first key. That she's the one that realizes how to get out of the Shining movie into the actual key. It is so funny, H. 
you know, you have this character. He's huge. He's big and a giant cyborg. And he's yeah, intimidating and, as hell. And he's afraid of you know, the, you know, a horror movie. You know, <laughs> I, I, to be fair, you know, I it's not that I would be afraid, but I would not be in it. <laughs> No, and I mean, it was kind of hilarious when he kind of gets lost into the movie and he goes into the bathroom scene of The Shining. Oh, the famous and, bathroom. And the girl is like all naked, wet, and sexy. Like, and he's like, hello, oh, wet hello, lady. Naked lady. Naked lady. <laughs> <laughs> and then he goes like, oh, I follow them. Naked lady. And he's going to go to kiss her. And then he's looking in the mirror and this crippling, like... Uh, zombie-like, you know, old and he lady. he starts screaming his ass off and just bouncing <laughs> around the room. It was hilarious. Uh, that was a that was a fun scene, um, especially if you've seen the the Shining, the bathroom scene. You know that's very very famous. Oh yeah. So yeah, the the, the Artemis discovers a second key by going into, and apparently it was only one person because as soon as she decided to go into the ballroom and do the zombie dance, mm-hmm. uh, where he she's supposed to rescue. Um, uh, I think the love interest of Holiday, which is actually Og's wife, um, then everybody got sucked out of the game. Yeah. And it was only her. And I'm assuming she told everybody else. And then you see how uh, everybody, the, the, the actual board, the game board got updated with everybody's new, new scores and new positions. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, this. <laughs> I'm telling you, this this movie is so packed, so so. It packed. is, man. It is, man. Like... And and you know the funny thing is, Steven Spielberg, it, you know, being he being the modest person that he is, um, he actually said he didn't want so much of his stuff um, packed into the movie. Into the movie, <laughs> and and and, and I mean it. If we all, all of us who are fans of the 80s know that he's all over the 80s. Mm-hmm. You can't really make a movie about the 80s without he's having... He's a great part of it. He has to be like 70, 80% mm-hmm. of all the... Because that's how it was. So apparently the, the, the film crew, you know, uh, added a bunch of stuff, obviously, because it's the 80s, into this movie without him knowing and once he was in the you know outside the the cutting room floor he couldn't do anything yeah it was already too late <laughs> and, and if you look at the, the at the cut scenes and making the the movie parts mm-hmm. he says to himself like it was too late for him to realize that they put way too much stuff in <laughs> but and i mean i mean this movie is great uh anybody that even if you just merely like the concept of video games, if you like good action, uh, I think that you should watch it. Uh, the movie just gets better and better all the way through the end. This is a two-hour movie. I think a two-hour and ten-minute movie. And it's just magnificent from the beginning to the end. Uh, it doesn't get you bored any moment. Uh, it has all of it. It has action, romance, lots of comedy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh man, it's hilarious too. Uh, it's so funny. Uh, and I mean, they they do great trying to get actually a bunch of a, a, a bunch of no, a couple of kids really running up against a freaking corporation. Yeah. And a douchebag that runs the company. He's so stupid. 
that he turns down his own people that are trying to help him actually figure out what he needs. Yeah. So it's kind of hilarious. It's like this moron that is continuously shooting himself in the foot. <laughs> yeah, it's your typical uh, underdog story. You know, you have the little guy fighting the big guy. Yeah. Um, I mean, another changing the subject a little. Another um, uh, fun Easter egg that I that I found in the movie was um, the when you get the, the the box containing the orb of Osso box. Oh my god! I love how the guy goes like, "Don't say that." <laughs> the orb of box and then every time that he brings it up he goes again the orb of box like so venerable to it <laughs> the actual box that contains the the orb of box is the same box that you find uh, magway from the movie gremlin <laughs> I don't know if you've ever seen that movie, but that's the same Gremlin? Box. Who hasn't watched Gremlin? And if you play D&D, the Orb of Ossobox is an orb containing a 20-sided die. Yeah. That's true. So, it's just... It, it's full of things like this. It's all over the place. Um, and, and I think that's what made this movie so great. Um, it, it, is, it, it plays on... Uh, not only the nostalgic feeling, which I get a lot from this movie, yeah. especially when I see all the computers that I used in the 80s. There is a Commodore 64. There's a Commodore 128. There's an Amiga computer. There's an Atari. Atari. There. There's a Nintendo. <laughs> there's a paintballs machines all over the place. They're referenced to a lot of, I'm sure, probably all of the movies in the 80s. There's a bunch of VHS <laughs> rolling around. And floppy disks, yes. running around the place. Like, there's an old modem. Uh, yeah, you know, the, the, I, there's a modem that I never got to use, which, which is where you put the phone, the the home phone, down. Um, and and there's also the the modem where you plug the cable in. I mean, oh, this is a robot toy too that, that he has in his room. That is like a glass warp head, and it, it looks like a spring body, little yeah. robot. Like, everybody's seen this in the 80s, too. Like, there's just so many little details that you would not get tired of just going back and forth in the movie. I mean, people, the first time that Robert and I watched this movie together, so we kind of get prepared for this episode, I'm not kidding to you, and this is the truth. We're not ashamed of it. We spent, the movie's two hours, okay? We spent about six to seven hours watching it because we were pausing and looking at it. Stuff. Yeah, and then rewatching, <laughs> and then pausing, rewatching. Seven pa- hours watching it. And and the fun thing is, I already watched this movie. Uh, I can't tell you how many times. And there was so much stuff that he told me every time that was like, "Oh, look at this! Look at that!" I was like, "Oh shoot! I didn't know that." <laughs> so this was, you know, and, and it goes back to what I was saying. This movie plays number one on the nostalgic feeling of the '80s for those who love the '80s or that lived through the '80s. And it also plays into the nostalgic feeling for a gamer. Mm-hmm. So if you're a gamer and you don't know nothing about the 80s, you're still going to feel nostalgic. There's a lot of references here to classic games. Yeah, and, and, and every character kind of grows on you, you know? Uh, it just happened. Like I don't know if because, because of the, the camaraderie that happens in between all characters, too, mm-hmm. of, of the movie. Like, our characters, not the bad guys. Uh, and also... Their personalities, like, it's easy to grow close to them. They are mm-hmm. funny. Uh, they, they kind of be, become kind of a small brotherhood. They don't clan up. 
But at the end, they do behave like a clan. Because yeah. they are the only ones that are kicking ass and getting the keys. They got. They actually finally clanned up and called themselves the High Five. Yep, <laughs> the High Fives. Here's the funny <laughs> thing. Percival, throughout the whole freaking movie, every time that he kind of had that aha moment with somebody, he goes and lifts up his hand and nobody ever... Ever, <laughs> ever. It doesn't happen in the whole movie. Nobody high five him. Poor guy. I feel bad for him. <laughs> I was like, this is just so freaking ironic and hilarious. They call themselves the high five, and nobody in the whole movie high five Percival. And yeah. everything was like, oh. And he just lifts off his hand. <laughs> yeah, it's like, okay, you know. They just look at him like, what, dude? <laughs> I mean, this movie, like, if you. It's sci-fi. I mean, you have um, ships. You have the RB from Spaceballs. You have Ava Pot from 2001 Space Odyssey. You, you have got the, the Dragonfly from Cowboy Bebop. You have the Colonial Viper from Battlestar Galactica. You have Battlestar Galactica. You got the giant, uh, the, uh, what's it called? The the metal, the, the giant, the metal giant? Oh, the green, uh, uh, yeah. The, um, what is it called? That movie from... Um, yeah, um, Iron Giant. Iron there Giant. There you go. He has an Iron Giant in there. You have a giant uh, mechanical Xela. You have the Starfighter. You got Gundam. Ed 209 from Robocop. You have you, I mean, from- what's the car that he drives in the race? It's a freaking DeLorean. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's not just a DeLorean. It's the DeLorean yeah. from Back to the Future. Uh, the, bike, the bike that Artemis rides, that's what she's known. The Akira girl Akira in the bike. Akira bike. Um, the the uh, spaceship they um, Daito flies towards the end of the movie. That's a nod to uh, Firefly, the TV show. Oh my god! And of course, the Serenity movie. But mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Have you seen that? The Serenity movie? No, we've we watched actually Firefly. Firefly did yeah, you? of yeah. course. That's the Firefly. So I mean, this movie is packed. <laughs> it is. And, and and again, I'm telling you, there's some things that are you know, visible, very visible, because they might have a lot more than a couple of seconds uh, screenplay. There's other ones that are like one or two seconds that you have to kind of pause to really, like, for example, um, Street Fighter. Oh, yeah. I actually noticed that Chun-Li is there, too. Mm-hmm. So far, we've seen Ken and Ryu. Uh, Hello Kitty. Hello Kitty is in there. Sonic is in there. Mm-hmm. Um Ninja Turtles. There's people from Overwatch. You got the Master Chiefs and Spartans. Master Chief, yeah. Uh, you got the... Uh, what else you have? I mean, so much stuff. You got Batman's in many shapes and forms. You got Spawn coming around. What else? I mean... Bofa Fett is at the bar where uh, the dance number is done. <laughs> There's Harley Quinn also. Yeah. She's yeah. sitting around there. There's a guy that looks like, like Jack Sparrow, I think. Like a Johnny Depp version. I don't know. Uh, yeah. There's so many, there's so much stuff, there's no end to it. And I'm sure, I, I, I can tell you, I can almost guarantee this, I, we're going to finish this, we're going to go sit down in front of the sofa, we're going to put the movie on, and I can tell you, I probably will find more Easter eggs. Oh, you bet on it, <laughs> you bet on it. I think, I think, it's like that video, have you seen that video of the gorilla on the basketball court? It's a visual experiment. Mm-mm. It's a visual experiment where you're literally watching some guys playing uh, basketball, mm-hmm. uh, and you're looking at the game, and you basically don't realize until the second part of it that they actually rewind it and go back up on it. 
there's actually a guy on a gorilla suit running on the back of the freaking court. <laughs> and it's because your attention is centered on what's going on on the image. Mm-hmm. So you can actually miss a bunch of stuff that is going on on the background of the same image. And the same thing happens with our attention on the movie. We're looking at the characters and what's going on with them. So you're sure, you're sure as hell when you rewatch the movie and you're not so centered about the characters and what's going on with them, mm-hmm. and you're actually trying to observe what's going on in the background, you're going to find so much stuff. You're going to have to pause. Yeah. I mean, you remember that time that we were looking at, at uh, uh, Percival in each uh, place on mm-hmm. the virtual world? Yeah. We had to pause it more than seven times there. Like, that oh, scene yeah. is maybe 10 minutes, and it took us over maybe 45 minutes just yeah. looking around the room and so much crap that they have. Oh, yeah. That is just pure reference from the 80s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, 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 um, it, it's amazing. I love this movie. I, and, you know, I, I, it's one of those few movies that I guarantee if you're a fan of games and if you're a fan of the 80s, you, you want to buy you're gonna fall in love because the <laughs> you want to watch it and rewatch it, and you're gonna get your money's worth. Uh, yeah, this movie was amazing, and and I love, um, I love how closely to the book it was. And and again, I I said it again. Uh, I said it before. I said it again. If, if you ever get a chance to read the book, read the book and watch the movie, and you'll get the full experience because you'll get. Um, a lot more references in the book that in, than they are actually on uh, on the actual movie. Mm-hmm. I think that, I think that this is the kind of material you can practically make. Uh, you can make a graphic novel out of it. Easy. You can make a TV series. There is plenty, plenty of material for oh, you yes. to do that and make it interesting, entertaining, and full of great content. Uh, my my hat goes to uh, uh, clients, Ernest clients, for he 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 was able to do what he did with his book is is just infuse it with the essence of what it was to be in the eighties. Yeah, and it, it was amazing how uh, they not only you know the the book which is a source material for this movie. But uh, the producing, uh, the people that work producing this movie, uh, my hat goes out to them for being able to uh, put bring, the bring essence into reality. Into reality. It, yeah. It's amazing and, and it's, it's a lot of fun. So I, uh, if, if, you, if this is something, I would strongly recommend this movie. This is the kind of movie that at least to me, I don't know you, it lifts you wanting that it would be real. At yeah. least the technology that exists, that you can actually go into some such virtual world. Yeah, it, I mean, it leaves you wanting. We have Oculus, we have PlayStation VR right now, and it, it, it's it's what when you watch this movie, it's kind of like you your it's your dream what VR could be yeah. or should be should be could be definitely definitely it is, uh, man, I mean. What did you guys did for making this movie, Steven Spielberg? Yeah. What did you do? Did yeah. you set up a new high standard for virtual reality? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, although I have to say, I mean, we have so many materials where people talk about different futures of VR 
and virtual reality. And I, although it's very dark, you know, and the real life mm-hmm. within this story, um, it is the better one out of the ones that I've seen. Yeah. Where we are, and, and you know, what I said is it's still not perfect because in the end of the movie, when the high five and Percival, they got the egg and they became the owners of the Oasis, he actually closed down um, two days, two days a week. So, and, and he said it's so people can get out in the world and experience. Because before that, it was like 24-7. Yeah. So you can have people in literally in VR, you know, forever, you know, 24-7. Absolutely. So, so uh, although that's still, you know, like a, a dire future, um, what they I like... Still, the- they still regard the value of actual reality. Exactly. And and you have you don't have a, a, a sedentary life because although you're in VR and, and granted you still need to eat, um you're you're exercising. So yeah. you're I not, mean you're you're constantly standing up, you're constantly springing and running. Usually in these kind of things, you're not walking. <laughs> you're not walking. Yeah. So I, I'll be really interesting to see what from, from he, hear from you guys and see what you guys think when you saw, you know, have you seen the movie? If you haven't seen the movie, you know, what do you think? You know, yeah. are you a fan of the 80s like we are? Are you a fan of video games like we are? Uh, this definitely has a lot of sci-fi. Uh, not only sci-fi in the actual movie, but references to a lot of sci-fi movies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, I mean, should us a comment... Uh... Even in your reviews, you can let us know. Uh, you can go to our website also and reach out through there. Uh, let us know what are your favorite parts. Uh, what do you, what would you like to be different on the movie? Uh, what are your takes on it too? Uh, well, what are your favorite parts of the movie? Yeah, uh, absolutely, absolutely. It's, although it's kind of hard to pick one. I, I mean, the whole movie for me is just amazing. Yeah, this is the favorite <laughs> part for me. My favorite part of the movie is the whole track. <laughs> <laughs> we also have a Discord channel, so you can hit us up over there and we can have a conversation. Heck yeah. Heck yeah, man. Well, this is the end of our show for now. Please let us know if you like this episode. And if you have any ideas about which topics you would like us to discuss in the next episode, feel free to reach out. We would love to hear your ideas. Remember, you can follow us on Twitter at Sci-Fi Remnant. And if you like this podcast, share it. And rate us in your favorite podcast platform. We actually have been added in a couple more platforms, so it shouldn't be an issue to find us anywhere you like or your preference. This will help us grow. Thank you. See you next time. This is Science Fiction Remnant, signing off.